Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umarin, and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Storytime Clinic. Here on the Storytime Clinic, we talk about stories all the time. It's in our name, and that's our game. But what about you out there listening? Do you have a favorite story that you love to tell? One that you whip out at every social gathering, whether you're meeting new people or hanging out with old friends? What's your go-to story, that guaranteed crowd-pleaser? Stories are relatable. They're memorable. They help to connect people. They help us bond. But let's think about the flip side of all of that. Did you ever have a story that you got really tired of sharing? When I was in university, I volunteered as a tour guide one summer. And we would show prospective students and their parents all around campus, trying to entice them into choosing us as the school they went to the next year. The first time I was out on my own as a tour guide, I remember being very excited to get to South Campus so I could hit him with one of my killer lines that had been passed down from past tour guides. You see, our library had been named after a gentleman called Hugh Morris. I'm sure you can see where this is going. So when we got in front of the library, I would gesture over and go, and over here on our right, we have the Hugh Morris Library, the funniest place on campus. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it worked every time. The whole group would laugh. Of course, some kids would roll their eyes, but it was a hit. And the first time I used this line, I felt like a stand-up comedian. (laughs) By the 20th time, though, it was a lot less humorous, I can tell you. (laughs) To me, at least. For the tour group, it was never the same group of people, so the joke always sounded new in their ears. But for me, I was tired of repeating the same line, and I was over it. And this over-it-ness... It's exactly the same thing that our main character Jacob is feeling in today's book. Jacob is a little boy who loves science, and on the day we meet him, he has his heart set on buying a light-up globe. Unfortunately for Jacob, on this same day, it seems like everyone in the world wants to ask about his eye patch, Including you, right? Did you just ask in your head why he wears an eye patch? <laughs> That's okay. It's normal to be curious. Well, before I get to that burning question, what exactly are we reading? Today's book is called Jacob's Eye Patch, and it's by Beth Koblener Shaw and Jacob Shaw. It's a mother and son duo. It's a picture book with excellent illustrations, and it's written for like the four to eight years age range. Now, Why the eye patch? Jacob has a condition known as amblyopia. Mm, What is that? 
Amblyopia is a problem in how the vision or eyesight develops. So normally, babies do not have very good eyesight, and they develop their eyesight over time based on the stimulation they get from seeing the world around them and having those images pass to the brain and develop those vision centers. The problem happens when eyesight in one eye is weaker than the other. And this difference can happen for a couple of reasons. One, you may have something blocking one eye, like a cataract. Two, you could have one eye pointing in a slightly different direction, kind of like a wandering eye. Both eyes aren't focused on exactly the same point. And three, the shape of one eye may be a little different and that changes the focus so that it's either nearsighted or farsighted. When any of those three things happen, the brain basically says, look, I can see a lot better through the right eye than the left eye. So I'm just going to ignore the left and keep looking through the right eye. And so what happens is those visual pathways and the vision center on the left side never form. And eventually the child could lose vision completely in that left eye. And so that is amblyopia. So the whole point of using a patch in amblyopia is to actually cover the stronger eye, even though that sounds counterintuitive, but you cover up the stronger eye to kind of force the brain to practice using the weaker eye so that those nerves can develop properly and prevent the kid from losing their sight. Now, how long the patch needs to be worn varies quite a bit. And at the beginning, it may be worn on that weak eye um, almost continuously for many hours at a time until the eye has gotten stronger and stronger. And then gradually, this time period can get shorter and shorter. Um, but usually, a patch like this might need to be worn for several years until the brain has been trained up enough that the vision is much better in that weak eye. So that's a little bit about amblyopia. Now, back to our book. Jacob's mind is on getting to the store in time to get his light-up globe. But everyone else's mind is on his patch. The woman on the street, a kid at his brother's school, the cashier at the ice cream store. Where does it end? Usually, Jacob doesn't mind talking about his patch. He has worn it for a long time and he's really used to having people ask about it. But today, he's got things to do. So now these questions feel like a bother. I love this book because it doesn't try and do any pretending. You know, the feelings from the kid feel really authentic. He is exasperated by how long this all is taking. And when people ask him these questions, he doesn't answer or he just gives completely outlandish answers, just brushing them off completely, basically. But his parents have other ideas and they want to engage and they talk and talk and talk endlessly to everyone who asks about Jacob's patch. Can you imagine? Jacob has been living with this patch for years. And in one day in this book, we see him getting asked by four people about the patch. 
So you can imagine in a year, he could really have a thousand people asking about this patch. That's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but you get the point. It could get tiring. It could get annoying. It could get disruptive, get in the way of the other things he wants to do, the other things he wants to talk about, the other ways he wants to interact with people and make connections. And at the end of the day, it's frustrating for him. So right at the end of this book, we see that finally Jacob succeeds in getting his globe. And at that point, when he has someone else ask about his patch, he is satisfied. He's in a much better mood and he has no problem at all answering her question about why he has to wear a patch. And right at the end of the book, I like, uh, there's a quote that says something along the lines of, most people have something that makes other people curious. Sometimes you feel like talking about it and sometimes you don't. And I like that that's just the simple message of the book, recognizing that this kid's eye patch was just one tiny, tiny, tiny part of his entire world. And he didn't necessarily want people to be mentioning that and pointing it out all the time. So because I was so interested in kind of how this book was presented, um, I ended up finding another book along the same vein. This one is actually not about amblyopia and has nothing to do with sight at all, <laughs> but just carrying along the idea of being mindful about asking a person about their medical condition or about a difference that they have. So this second book is called What Happened to You by James Catchpole. It's also a picture book and it's for younger children this time, probably less than five years old. The publishers say babies to five years. I don't know what a baby would do with this book other than eat it. <laughs> But um, it's for a little bit of a younger crowd, as, as you can see from the illustrations that are used in the book. They're very cute. I love it. Joe's a little kiddo who's out on the playground and he's playing with imaginary sharks and crocodiles and having a great time. And all of a sudden, um, one kid pops up and then another, and then another, and he's bombarded by kids all wanting to know what happened to his other leg, the one that he doesn't have. Joe is a kid with limb differences, so he only has one leg. And what I found interesting here is that the kids aren't being mean. They're just curious. They just want to know what happened. But Joe doesn't feel like talking about it. This is a little bit different because a lot of books about people with disabilities talk about bullying, talk about people being mean and being hurtful. And so that's really easy to understand why that's a problem. But in this case, these two books show how sometimes well-meaning, well-intentioned questions can actually still be bothersome. So when Joe gets this question, what happened? He's not really interested in answering. And so he turns it around and asks the other children, what do you think happened? And this devolves into a whole lot of silly ideas and answers as to what they think happened to Joe's leg. And this is the, the fun and silly part of the children's book. But then we can also see that Joe gets frustrated with this. He just wants to play.
Finally, one of the kids starts speaking Joe's language. She goes, are there sharks down there? Are there crocodiles? And all of a sudden, all the other kids are talking about sharks and crocodiles and fighting them off together. And this is finally something that Joe can enjoy doing. He is finally happy. So after reading these two books, I learned a couple of things that I want to share with you guys. So first of all, I think we just have to acknowledge the fact that kids will be curious. It is part of their nature. It is how they learn about the world around them. Adults will be curious too, but that's, that's by the by. <laughs> now, it's not at all a bad thing to be curious, and we don't want to send that message. We want children to be curious and observant, and we want to cultivate and encourage that love of learning in them. But I think that there are things that we can do to help guide children's curiosity. Number one, who before why? Who before why? What do I mean by that? In both of these books, when people met the main characters, the first thing they saw was their difference. And that's the first thing they wanted to know about without having any other common ground, without knowing anything else about the person. So who before why is just a reminder that getting to know the person is more important than getting to know why they are different. So if your kid is the one asking this question of what happened or why, you could say, let's think about three other things that we could ask instead. So a name is always a good place to start. <laughs> or what other games the kid is interested in? How tall their dad is? Do they like dinosaurs? Are they a secret superhero? I mean, kids can be creative and so they can take these questions and run with it. But the idea is that by finding out other things about this person, you actually have a way to build a sort of bond or some rapport with the person rather than leading with a question that is only meant to satisfy your own curiosity or satisfy the child's curiosity. So that was number one, who before why. Number two, now or later. Kids always want to know immediately <laughs> and in the loudest and most inconvenient of voices, apparently, uh, when they notice something that is different. But as we saw in Jacob's eye patch, the timing was not convenient for him because he had something else to do at the time. He wanted to go and get his science globe. But as soon as he had gotten his science globe, he was much more open to talking to a little girl and answering her questions about his eye patch. So now or later could be just a prompt, a way to get your child to pause a little bit and think, is now the best time for me to be asking this question or can it wait till later? Another thing to do might be to show a child how to ask permission first. So saying, is it okay if I ask you about your eye patch? And that way the power is in the hands of the child who is being asked all the questions. The power is in their hands to say yes or no. And so they have a bit of a choice in whether they want to answer that question at that time. 
So first we have who, before, why. Second, we have now or later. And third, personal or general. So let's say your kid has been polite. They have asked a few other questions to build rapport. Um, They have asked, is it okay if I ask you about this issue? And the person says, no. They might not be happy with that answer, but it's also important to teach kids that some information is personal and some people may not be comfortable with sharing that kind of personal information, especially with a stranger. When that happens, as a parent, we can step in and give some information. So for example, you could say, I cannot tell you their personal story, but I know that in general, some people may wear eye patches because, or some people may use a wheelchair because. In that way, you are giving them information to satisfy their curiosity, to help them learn, but at the same time, respecting another person's privacy. So thinking back to how often Jacob was asked about his eye patch and how often Joe was asked about his leg, it's important to realize and remember that some stories about these health conditions or about disabilities can be a bit sensitive. It could bring up painful memories. It could cause some people to be embarrassed. It could cause other people to feel more acutely aware that they are different, which might be isolating. So there's a lot of emotions that could come from asking what seems like a very simple question. So it's important to be able to help children start to understand this At the end of our first book, Jacob's Eye Patch, we get to see a blurb from both Jacob himself, the real Jacob, who's a little boy, and his mother. Jacob talks a little bit about his experiences with his eye patch. He talks about the fact that he hates wearing it and he always wants to pull it off. (laughs) And that he felt very self-conscious and embarrassed about it up until he gets into school. And one day in school, everyone in the class had to come in and talk a little bit about something that they were born with that makes them seem different from other people. And when he shared this with his classroom, he realized that there's lots of other people that had things that made them feel different as well. And this helped him get more comfortable with his story and uh, feel less embarrassment around that story. So this is one way that a child's health condition can be addressed in the school setting. Again, anticipating that children will have that curiosity. Um, A child with a visible health condition might be facing the same repetitive questions over and over again from classmates. So one way to kind of head this off at the start is having the family, either the child, if they're old enough, or um, a parent coming into the classroom, of course, working with the teacher in that classroom to share a little bit about that health condition and answer some of those questions burning in the classmates' minds, maybe before they get asked. Obviously, the amount of information that is shared is still up to the family, but this can be a good starting point. Or like the experience that Jacob shares in the book, 
um, when this is done as a classroom activity where the child is not singled out, but everyone in the class is participating, reflecting on themselves and um, is able to share something about themselves, then this can be very effective. Okay, so we're going to recap those three guiding principles again. Number one, who before why? Putting connection before curiosity. Number two, now or later? Is the timing convenient for the other person or can my question wait? And number three, personal or general? Do I need to know their personal story or am I able to find some general information elsewhere that can help me understand them as well? Just remember that it's okay to be curious, but it's also okay if the other person does not want to share. There's plenty of other things to talk about. And at the end of the day, the goal is always connection. Okay, well, that is it for this episode. Again, those two books, the first one was called Jacob's Eye Patch, and that is by Beth Shaw and Jacob Shaw. The second book was called What Happened to You by James Catchpole. Both excellent, very fun, engaging books for children to read with a good message and a unique lesson as well. So check those out. Let me know what you think about them. As always, thank you for spending this time with me at the Storytime Clinic. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.